Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Yasmir, and I'm going to be taking over Clever Girls No podcast today. I actually broke into Bola's office. So I'm tell her. <laughs> Just kidding. The reason I am here today is because I will be interviewing Bola today. <laughs> and Bola, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be so much fun. But just so introduce myself, because I know you're probably wondering, who is this person? I am the content creator, the social media content creator for Clever Girl Finance. And I've been part of the team now for almost four years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just to give background on how I met Bola... I picked up a money magazine one day and I was just looking at it, see which article picked my interest. And then I see this beautiful black woman (laughs) on a page, which is something like I don't really see. You know, I was used to seeing, you know, white men talk about finance. And then I read the article and I was just hooked. And I learned about your platform, Clever Girl Finance. And became a member, was taking your courses, was very active on Facebook. And then you reached out to me (laughs) to join the team. And I was ecstatic. And then from there, it's all history. (laughs) And you know what's funny? So that Money Magazine article was in 2018, in June of 2018. And you know what's funny is that I think 95% of the women on the team, well, we have one guy on the team, Angel, who is our videographer, who Mm -hmm. creates all the amazing videos you see on YouTube and Instagram. (laughs) But everybody is from the community. Esther was the first person ever, and she was from the community. So it's just, you know, it's just so awesome to be able to connect with women who just have a personal tie to the business. It just makes it so much more meaningful. Yes, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Bola. So let's get right into it. I have some few questions to ask you. And this is just for the purpose of uh, anyone listening to the podcast for the first time, um, just to get to know you, Bola. And the first question I want to ask, um, not really a question, but more of like, (laughs) tell Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and why you started Clever Girl Finance. Yeah, so I'm the usual host of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Paul Ashokubi. And I'm a business owner. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I have twins. 
And yeah, that's about myself. I live in New Jersey. What else can I share that it might be of interest? <laughs> it's funny, right? I do the podcast all the time, but I don't really share a lot about, I share about yeah. me, but not like that basic information. Mm-hmm. I don't have any pets. Let me see what else might be useful. <laughs> oh no, you're not no going to get a dog ever? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> uh, my kids want one. I'm like, when you move out, feel free to get a dog. <laughs> Whatever you want. Get a hundred pets. Not in my house. Yeah. So yeah, that's about me. And Clever Wealth Finance, I started it really as a passion project. I was transitioning between, well, I just had my my, my kids when I started feeling unfulfilled in what I was doing at work, even though I love my job. I think a lot of it also stemmed from having postpartum depression, which I recognized afterwards. And I just felt like I just wanted to do something that mattered more than being a number in an HR book at work. And I wanted to do something that was meaningful to to me. And that would be just something my kids could look at and be proud of. So it took me about two years to figure out what I wanted to do. And I actually didn't start Clever. I got the idea for Clever Wealth Finance when my kids were about 13 months old. And I didn't start it until they were about 18 months old, almost two. And, you know, I just, everything I I wrote about, everything that I thought about ended up coming back to either women and money or wellness and empowerment. And that just all stemmed from just watching my mom. Right. So mm-hmm. if for those people who are wondering where the name and the idea for Clever Girl Finance came from, my mom is the OG Clever Girl. <laughs> and she's a woman that I saw, I saw hustling and working really hard to attain her own financial independence after getting married really young at the age of 19 with only a high school diploma. And then realizing after four kids and seeing her friends going through really bad divorces and lost spouses that she needed to be able to stand on her own two feet and have her own financial independence. So I went with my mom as a four or five-year-old to her college classes when she was in her mid-30s. I was at her graduation. I saw her do, you know, working in corporate, working businesses, hustling to, to just really be able to, you know, just stand on her own two feet. And eventually when my dad went through a financial downturn, my mom became the breadwinner of our family. So mm. a lot of the of what we do at Clever Girl Finance is inspired by my mom and her own journey and just, you know, getting older and seeing other women um, going through what my mom went through, what her friends went to, through. There are many times where as a little girl, I'd be in the corner of the living room and my mm. mom would be consoling a friend who was trying to leave an abusive marriage where she couldn't, who her husband had died and his family had come in and taken over everything. And I started seeing that in people I knew, coworkers, friends, acquaintances of, wow, I want to get out of this marriage, but I can't because I have no money. Or, wow, I want to do more in my in my family for my family, but Mm-hmm. I don't have any money. So that was just, that was part of the inspiration and just me wanting to do something impactful mm-hmm. to cut the long story short. <laughs> <laughs> well, your story is amazing. And when I came up with this question, I was hoping you would share that story. It's very inspirational. <laughs> and you mentioned that you wanted to do something that your kids will be proud of. And I I'm pretty sure they're going to look back and be very proud of you because you've done so much. You have the Clever Girl Finance website. Um, you, you're the author of three Clever Girl Finance That's books. That's crazy, yes. <laughs> that, that is um, crazy. Yeah. In like, what, three years? Yes, I've been writing a yeah. book every year for the last three <laughs> years. I'm working on my fourth book now. I still cannot believe it. It's 
and I wouldn't describe myself as a book writer. I don't like to write books. No. Um, just not because I don't like the putting words to paper but because of the process. It takes a long time and it takes mm. a lot of commitment waking up early in the morning to write, writing around kids. I think it's just hard because I have kids. <laughs> it's just hard. Listen. I can imagine. <laughs> every, every word you read in those books is written at 3 a.m. <laughs> or midnight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy your books, Bola. You have a podcast and the amazing thing that you are doing is you offer 30 plus amazing courses for free. Why did you decide to make your courses free? So before we continue, I just wanted to say, because you, you are doing a lot of you, you, Bola, you, Bola. <laughs> oh, okay. a lot of this can't really happen without all of the team. There's no way that I have the website <laughs> by myself without all the incredible effort that everybody puts into making it happen, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm the face of the business and people recognize me, but there's a whole force of incredible people behind this, including you, Yasmin. <laughs> So I don't want to discount that. So we have a website, we have 30 plus free courses. And just to give folks some context, I don't really talk too much about behind the scenes on the podcast. And I don't really talk too much about Mm -hmm. business, the business of this particular business, because as a financial education platform, we're usually sharing other people's stories or we're sharing educational content. And it's not very often that I get to talk about business, but the Clever Girl Finance team is amazing. So we have Yasmir that mm-hmm. does our social media content. We have Carly who does, if you see any of our reels or TikTok, that's Carly. Essa is our employee number one, <laughs> the first ever hire at Clever Girl Finance. And she does customer experience, ideation, just if you've been part of this community for long enough and you have communicated with us, you have probably had an encounter mm-hmm. with Esther. And then there's Anita and Stacey who are our incredible mentors that take the phone calls when you guys need that guidance and that accountability. Then there's Kat who is our SEO content manager and she is supporting the management of our 22 writers who create the content that you guys see on the website. <laughs> so it's definitely not a me thing. <laughs> And then there's Angel who does the the videos. And then there's the podcast editing team who edits this podcast. So there's no way I can take all the credit for it. I just wanted to say that. But (laughs) to answer your actual question, yes, of why did I make the courses? Why did we make the courses free? And this this was a thing that it was just very spur of the moment. So it's something that Esther and I talked about a long time, actually from the beginning of the first iteration of the Clever Girl Finance courses, which was the accountability program. So it was just a single program that women could join and just get weekly accountability on their finances for a Mm -hmm. six-month program. And during that time, I had always told Essa, one of my dreams is to make our, our platform free because I really struggled with... Obviously, you know, many people have the means to pay for courses and that's perfectly fine to pay for mm-hmm. coaching, accountability, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But I really struggled when someone would email and say, wow, I just, I've gotten to this realization of I need to improve my finances. I've made all this, all these mistakes, but I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I hate it to be the roadblock mm-hmm. for someone who wanted to make that change, who couldn't afford it because of a paywall. And there are many instances where we gave people who contacted us that way saying, I'm desperate. I need help. 
please help me, where we gave the courses for free. So that's something I've always wanted to do. But at the end of the day, we also needed to be able to generate revenue so that we could pay expenses, we could pay everybody, we could keep the business going, pay the podcast yeah. editing, who edits this this podcast. Well, I used to edit the podcast myself back wow, in the day. I didn't know that. I, Yes, I edited the podcast back in the day when I was still the cleaning lady and the intern and the (laughs) (laughs) and the office assistant when I was all the all the things. (laughs) And I'm sure if you listen to earlier episodes of the podcast, you could tell. But um, yeah, I you know I I struggled to to charge people like that. And my goal was just to make this like financial education should be accessible. It shouldn't have a cost associated to it. And so we, in addition to having, outside of having the accountability program, obviously we still had the podcast, which is obviously not, which is obviously free. We had the website, which has never had any charge around being able to access our articles and stuff like that. So when the pandemic started, the first lockdown for us in New Jersey was March 13th. And just the messages on social media were overwhelming. I don't know if you remember Yasmir. Mm-hmm. I think we had some Slack group conversations. Mm-hmm. They were devastating. Like people who were yeah. just overnight lost their jobs, overnight their kids had to stay home, just no money coming in or not realizing that, or they were just starting their financial journey and not realizing this was going to happen and not even having mm-hmm. put in emergency savings in place. It was really, and there were some people who were contacting us saying, I, I'm ready. I want to get my finances in order. I want to improve my finances. I'm ready to do this now. This is an eye-opener. This situation, I don't want to ever find myself here. And so mm-hmm. me and Essa had kind of been talking about it. And then on March 19th, we had a meeting and we're like, okay, we need to make these courses free. We've gotten so many really terrible messages of mm-hmm. struggle since in the last five or six days. We cannot be a roadblock at a time like this when people really need help. The least we can do as a platform, as a community who our mission is to empower and support women is to really live up to that mission. So we turned off all the payments on the courses. We emailed everybody. For folks who had just paid, we issued the refunds. For people who had just paid and people who just decided that, you know what, I want a refund for this. And we made the platform free and we wanted to support our community and there was no expectation from this it was just like you know what this is the opportunity if there was ever a time to do it mm-hmm. now is the time to do it and we'll figure this out we'll figure out how to replace the income you know what we actually need to get out of our comfort zone because we've been a little bit too comfortable and all cozy mm-hmm. in this corner so let's <laughs> challenge ourselves with this and i didn't know what i was doing and i was like you know what this is just what it's going to be I, I just i i can't it's just and we did a live call is it a YouTube live or a Facebook live? Something just to let folks know. Mm-hmm. And the response was so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but we had thousands of people sign up for our courses and sign up for our community. Mm-hmm. And so many people did the mentor calls at the time and the traffic on the site just skyrocketed as a result. And so it was just knowing that we could have that positive impact and we could help Mm -hmm. people during a difficult time when everybody was feeling helpless, even though like in the grand scheme of of things, the free courses doesn't mean anything, right? In a pandemic. But it was our way of just supporting the women who had allowed us to grow to that point anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Because without our community, we're, we're not anything. And so that was really, really what it was. And I was living up to that dream of, I want to be able to have a platform that is completely free to our audience. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I see comments of, of 
women being so appreciative of the free courses and many, many, many of them are taking advantage of it and it's changing lives. That's, I hope, really I is. hope it is. I hope I'm positively. <laughs> so if you know someone, spread the word, let them know yeah. about the free Clever Girl Finance course. <laughs> they are free. <laughs> um, yes. And our goal is to empower and to help. And it just, you know, it was, it just happened in like, we had not too long ago revamped the entire course. We had gone through and rebuilt all the courses um, between me, Esther, Melissa, the other finance expert who was supporting the platform. Um, she's no longer active on our team, but we still love Melissa. <laughs> Melissa is the founder of Your Money Worth and she's a student loan expert and she's just amazing. And she moved out of country, but you know, whenever she's back, I'm like, Melissa, can you help us? <laughs> and then Serby was our brand strategist. So for those of you who have been with Clever World Finance for a while, you will notice that we went through a whole rebrand and revamp of our look and our feel of the of the brand, right? Like our original heroes. So those four illustrations that you see mm-hmm. everywhere are our heroes. And they're just representative of the women in our community. And we had them redesigned. Um, we did all we did all our branding. We restructured all of basically everything. And so it was the four of us. And some contractors that really worked to set up those 30 plus courses and we did them really quickly. It was almost as if we were doing them in anticipation of something, but we didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And Bola, I must say, I, you know, at the beginning, I, I took a lot of the courses and um, I must confess <laughs> that at the <laughs> end, you know, um, when I completed the courses, I would get a certificate. I would print them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that still a thing? There are the certificates are still there. Yes, when you complete a course, you get a certificate. Before you start our courses, we would love for you to sign the Clever Girl Finance Creed, which is where you commit to yourself. It's a letter from you to you saying that you are going to do this thing. And you Mm -hmm. print out that letter and you stick it on your wall, and then you complete the course and you get the certificate. And it has confetti when you get it. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And I, I I printed them and I kept them close by. It just served as a reminder of um, everything the course has taught me. So I just wanted to share that. I don't think I've ever told you. (laughs) (laughs) I have to see this folder. I just did an interview with, for the podcast with an amazing lady called Mel, and she was reading the first Clever Girl Finance book. And before we started the interview, she was on video and she brings out this notebook. And I just thought it was like maybe a notebook from school or work or something. And she's like, no, these are the notes I took from this book. (laughs) She almost made me cry. I'm like, wow. She was quoting things from the book to me that I couldn't even remember. (laughs) I'm like, I need to read. I need to go back and reread those books I wrote. So that my daughter is trying to read Clever Girl Finance. And Mandy, she's only just turned eight. And she's like, wow, this is so long. Who's going to read this? (laughs) But she's trying. She's on like page four. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Well, Bola, um, we have a lot of followers who are interested in many things. They're um, wanting to learn how to save money, get out of debt, invest. And we also have aspiring entrepreneurs and you being a successful business owners. Can you share some of the steps that you took to start your business? So the steps I took with Clever Girl Finance... To start this business was, I had to get over my fear. Um, It took me a long time to actually commit to actually 
implementing the idea I had when I got the idea. It took several months, right? So I got the idea, like I said, at 13 months, but I actually didn't launch the site until they were, my kids were 13 months, but I didn't launch the site until they were well over 18 months old. So that five months, I was just like sitting on it. Like, I don't think it was even launching the site. I was actually starting the work to launch the site, mm. the initial, the first, I have a screenshot somewhere of the first, the very first Clever Girl Finance site. Oh. Um, and it was just very different. The, the branding was different. We didn't have those heroes, but it was just getting over my fear. And I was, I don't know why I was afraid because I had a personal blog that was fairly popular within mm. like my community of friends and their friends where I talked about w- womanhood, relationships, money, fashion, finance, handbags, those kind of things. But this mm-hmm. just felt more of a commitment because I was saying now that I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about this to help other women. Mm-hmm. And it was just the fear of what if people think this is a joke? What if it doesn't work out? What if it fails? What if I'm wasting my time with all these what ifs? So I had to get over my fear. That was the first one and just do it. Like ask myself, what did I have to lose? right? I just waste my time. Okay, great. I learn from the experience. I keep it moving. At the time I was working full-time also. So the cost really here, the biggest cost really here was my time. And then it was just laying out the plans of what I wanted to do. And mind you, as I laid out the plans, they changed and they evolved. And some of the plans I laid out failed woefully, but I didn't allow the failures to just mm-hmm. make me want to dismiss the business. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try a different strategy. I'm going to test something different. I'm going to do something different. Like I had to really establish the the voice and tone of the brand through trial and error, right? Through being authentic to myself and not just being like textbook finance, which is a lot of what we read. And I was like, and I think I was also being afraid to just be myself as well because of being afraid to be judged. And this is what I, did, I mean, the growth since then mm. <laughs> <laughs> has been tremendous. Oh. <laughs> but I didn't even, you can even hear in the very first podcast like episode one, I'm like, hi, this is Paula. Welcome. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. So I got over that, you know, once I kind of got into my stride, but so yeah, definitely getting over the fear, laying out the plans, working the plan, knowing that as I failed, I was still trying to recover and testing and I'm just not giving up. Business Mm -hmm. is hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for anybody because somebody asked me if I could go back and start over, do it again. Would I do it? And if I'm going to answer that question, honestly, I don't know. And it's not because this has all not been worth it. It has been 100% worth it. Mm -hmm. But I just, I think just the emotions and just the sacrifice of building my business, knowing that I had two small kids also Mm -hmm. just makes it really hard. So I I don't know if I didn't have kids 100%, there would be no question about it, but Mm -hmm. it's a business is hard. It's hard when you have other obligations. They may not be kids, maybe other things in your life. It could be a full-time job. I had a full-time job. It could be a partner. It could be dependents. It could be parents. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. So you have to be in it. You have to be in it and you have to not give up and really believe in what it is you want to accomplish and what it is that you want to do and what it is you believe you can do with your business, even when it gets hard. And one of your books is about um, side hustles and you share a lot of (laughs) tips on starting a business and there are other stories from other women that have started their business. So anyone who is interested in starting your business, I highly recommend that book. 
Mm-hmm. So the book is called Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income, The Side Hustle Guide from Clever Girl Finance. So the tagline is The Side Hustle Guide. And you mentioned, you know, your kids, you're a proud mama of twins. Uh, I would like to know if you can share, how do you teach them about money? And what are you doing now to prepare them for a successful financial future? So that's a great question because I, I've never, I don't know how to teach kids about money. I, I'm learning as we go. <laughs> People are always like, well, you should write it. Kids will go like, let me get through this with my own kids first and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> so so it, it's just, I'm teaching them how to invest, right? So that's one thing I've talked about on the podcast and that I, I actively do. So we have investment accounts for both of them. And I let them pick and choose their own individual stocks. And the reason why I, I allow them to invest in individual stocks is so that they can understand what it means to invest in a company and be an owner in a company based on their own small consumer behaviors when they're buying things like, or with the money that they get from grandparents or birthdays or like, you know, like sneakers or Barbie or Hot Wheels or Beyblades or whatever is trending Pokemon. And you it's teaching them you can, here is a Beyblade, here is a Pokemon, here is a Barbie, here is a LOL doll. But do you know you can also be an owner of these companies if they are publicly traded and showing them you can actually buy stock in Mattel that owns Barbie and owns Hot Wheels. And now not only do you own the toys, but you also own part of the company. So that I teach them. They have they get money to put into their investment accounts every month. And then we buy something every week, like $25 of stock. And then behind the scenes, they don't know this. <laughs> and they don't also yet understand it. I invest for them in index funds and five to nine college funds. And I just teach them also through just my day-to-day when I'm creating a grocery list, when we go to the store together, like Target, mm-hmm. and we're picking out things and there's many distractions for kids in stores like that. <laughs> but it's also a good opportunity for, for learning moments of, yes, that is something that we could absolutely buy, but it blows our budget and we actually mm-hmm. can't afford to buy that. So I'm teaching them the best way I know how. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching them, you know, someone, somebody asked me, would I pay my kids to do chores? And I was like, how? I mean, I pay for you to live in this house. How would I then now pay you <laughs> to then do something when you live in the house I pay for? Like, that's not a concept I was raised with. Like, if I told my mom <laughs> to pay me for a chore, I would have gone slapped immediately. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Are you mad? <laughs> the fact that you are alive is a privilege. That's what my mom would tell me. The fact that I let you live. I let you live in my house now, right? So yeah, I, I'm not paying anybody for chores. It is my right to make you do the chores. You owe me. You owe me the dishes. I agree with that. Yeah, but you know, but the chores are not working out. We're at this age where it's like they try, but it's just yeah, we can't do laundry yet. We're trying to not pour <laughs> the whole sink onto the floor when we do the dishes. <laughs> so we're working on the chores, but I'm not paying anybody for chores. <laughs> wow. I think it's amazing that you are teaching your kids about investing and saving money. I used to babysit um, two really great boys and their dad, who was in the finance industry, mm. he would teach them how to save money and invest. And it got to the point where they were very, very young. I think they were like 
five, the oldest was nine. And the oldest was telling me that I need to invest and I need to invest in index funds (laughs) and don't invest in individual stocks because that's gambling. And I was just amazed. (laughs) So yeah, I I really think it's, um, it's really great to teach kids about money because they're going to have that responsibility of managing money. It's just to make sure that they're successful. Eventually, everybody has the responsibility and it's about teaching just, and you don't have to be perfect in teaching your kids, but it's just about letting them understand the value of, of what $1 is. And I think my kids learned that this summer at summer camp because I started giving them pocket money and their pocket money was $1 a week. And uh, at summer camp, they had a candy station because they were also trying to teach about money and the mm-hmm. candy was 50 cents. So the first couple of weeks, they would go to school and spend all their money <laughs> on two pieces of candy. And then they realized, wait a minute, if I save for two weeks, I can have $2 and I can buy the bigger piece of candy. Oh, so wow. uh, it was it was really hard to manage the $1, but they tried. <laughs> I think my son kept his for like three three and a half weeks and he had $3.50 and he bought like a bag of Skittles or something, Skittles and something like, you know, they, they overcharge these kids. Mm-hmm. Stuff. But he bought yeah. something else. He was so proud of and so happy. Like, mom, I'm like, but did you save any of it? And he was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> so we're working on that too. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. I'm glad that they're starting young. What is your vision for Clever Girl Finance for the next 5, 10, 15 years and beyond? My big goal, let me put it this way. My big goal is to build a business of impact that reaches women across the world and just has positive impact in their lives so that when you think about personal finance, you can think about Clever Girl Finance as a platform that has helped you and a platform that you want to share with other women. So my vision is building a business that has big impact, positive impact for women. And people always like come for me when I say my business is focused on women. Like why isn't finance, personal finance for everybody? Why do you have to focus on women? And, you know, in today's world, people, it seems like there has been a lot of progression and there has, but there has not been enough. Um, there still is a gender wage gap. There still is the investing gap. There still mm-hmm. is the fact that people will see a successful woman and attribute all of her successes to a man. There still is the judgment of women who are female breadwinners. There there still is, there's just so much. There's just so much um, when it comes to supporting women to do well with mm-hmm. their finances. Um, look at the, the financial industry is still predominantly predominantly male. Wall Street is still predominantly male. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest Fortune 500 companies, I think 95% of the CEOs are all male. Men get paid more gender wage gap. So it, there's just so many things and so many reasons why women need support, especially in today's world where the tables are changing. We're not stay-at-home mm-hmm. moms. Our aspiration is not marriage, unlike mm-hmm. what Bridgerton has to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a life aspiration for women. Yes, it's nice to get married. It's nice to have a life partner, but that's not the end all be all of your purpose on earth, right? We're not in the 1920s, 1930s, whatever the (laughs) decades were, where that was the goal, be born to be married. Yeah. So there's just, you know, a lot of opportunity also for women to do well. And I just want to be part of that, that change Mm -hmm. and that movement. 
That's very beautiful, Bola. Now we're going to get into a round of fun questions. <laughs> and this is just to have people know you a little bit more. Rapid fire. <laughs> what is the craziest thing that you've done to save money? I've talked about it on this podcast. So listeners, longtime listeners will know this. And the craziest thing was driving 20 minutes probably spent more on gas to deposit a $1 bill into my bank account because I had this <laughs> spare money over in my budget and I didn't want to spend it and I wanted to stay consistent with saving. So I drove all the way to my credit union to deposit the money and the teller looked at me like, are you joking? And I looked back at her <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. Deposit my $1 and give me my receipt. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. That's pretty funny. I, I've done crazy things to save money. But um, before the pandemic, I don't know if I told you this, Bola. I live in New York City and my job was 50 blocks away from home. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at the time, I like, I'm like, I want to save money and and be fit. <laughs> so <laughs> I would save my $2.75. And walked 50 blocks home, <laughs> burned a lot of calories. <laughs> and I was just so excited to move over $2.75 over to my savings account. <laughs> oh, wow. The, yes. I've done something clear, but that was only because I lived on the Upper East Side and there was a blackout mm-hmm. and there was no way for me to get home but to walk <laughs> But the fact that you walked in to save that money, kudos to you. I think when you're saving, it's not about the amount. It's about keeping up with the consistency and the action of actually saving. Even if it's only one cent, just knowing that I saved something this week. Mm -hmm. It's motivation to keep going, even though it's nothing. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't have enough money to save. But I I guarantee you that if you look around you, you can find money around Mm -hmm. you, whether it's something you can sell, something you can return, something you can exchange your service or your time for money for. There is an opportunity. It's just, do you want to do it? Do you want to sell your favorite handbag? Do you want to sell? (laughs) (laughs) You know, do you, do you, can you let it go? Do you want to spend the time away from your house, away from your, your TV at your computer, working on that service, working on that product to exchange it for money? You know, do you, it just, how uncomfortable are you willing to get to make the progress? So, I mean, going to the teller to, to deposit the $1, for some people, that's embarrassing. I think for me, I was just so focused on what I wanted to do. I didn't even care about being embarrassed. And I think the fact that the teller looked at me that, that way should have been like, mm-hmm. she's probably like, why are you not embarrassed? <laughs> why are you not ashamed? <laughs> but listen, when it comes to getting your money right, there's no shame in this game. And you should no. not give a damn what anybody thinks or says or feels about what you wanting to do mm-hmm. well with your finances. Like, listen, because mm-hmm. when you get to the other side of it, once you're doing well, you're now the queen of your finances, they're going to say, hey, girl, mm-hmm. how'd you do it? Wow, you're so lucky. The But that luck is really you killing yourself all those months and years before to get your finances in order, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's just my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So next fun question. What is a big ticket item that you regret spending a lot of money on? And then what is the best (laughs) item or service you're glad you spent lots of money on? 
big ticket item designer handbags that I did not use. If I use them, then I have zero regrets. No regrets. I got my Costco wear, but the bags that I did not use, that was just, um, and that's a story I talk about all the time on this podcast. Lessons learned, like whatever I, whatever, if I'm spending a lot of money like that, I'm making sure I'm using it. And I don't know where that comes from. I think growing up, you know, I grew up where my mom when money was tight and something good came along, it's like, oh, let's keep it for something special. Like, you know, when there's a bottle of wine you keep for something special, or there is an outfit you wear for your birthday or for Christmas. And that's where I got that. Oh, let me just, it's so expensive. Let me keep this for something nice. But as I've gotten older and my husband has the opposite mindset of life is for living, live it now, mm-hmm. dress up because you woke up this morning. Um, and the pandemic was very eye opening. So I have adjusted. Um, the way I think, like you may see me in the grocery store all dressed up just because <laughs> I woke up today. And I I I don't I I'm now not doing that with my kids. I don't keep things for special occasions. I don't I just live life now. Live a good life now. Know that how you're living your life is making you happy. So I don't I try not to buy things and keep them. So mm-hmm. I, so big regrets is like buying stuff that I never use that cost so much for what? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. not using them and yeah so and then what it's is not the rapid best fire yes oh. <laughs> <laughs> i have a couple more okay. <laughs> and so you talked about the big ticket items that you regret how about the ones that you're glad that you spend money on oh the handbags i use <laughs> <laughs> that i'm Aww. glad <laughs> that I'm glad about. <laughs> awesome. Well, that you are a very, I find you a very interesting person. And just to get the listeners to know a little bit more about you, tell us a fun fact about yourself that you like to share. Well, a lot of people don't know that I speak German. Can I be sent to expression? And that's because I was born in Austria. I went to part of grade school in Austria. I went to college in Austria. And it's a German-speaking country. So, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I still have to hear you speak German. I just spoke German <laughs> just now. <laughs> you did? Yeah, you that? missed it. <laughs> No, but I feel like as time has gone by, my German has kind of declined. But I did, before the pandemic, my husband and I actually went to Vienna. My aunt lives there to visit. And it came back quite naturally because I don't speak German to anybody else here. My mom's German is very sparse. I have a brother who speaks German, but we don't speak to each other in German. So it's been, when I lived in New York, I used to take German classes just the conversational classes with a bunch of old ladies. It was so cute. <laughs> and we would just sit there and talk about random stuff in German. <laughs> but, but I haven't done that in years now. So it's still with yeah. me. Though. Sometimes I'll watch something on Netflix in German. So mm-hmm. there is a German show I'm watching in on Netflix and it's called Altersgeld. And mm. it's about a rich family and the patriarch is, has been given... X amount of time to live because he needs a new kidney or liver and he's trying to find who he can buy it from with his money. And then his family mm-hmm. is going crazy trying to divide his money before he's even dead. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm only a few episodes in, but it's, and it has English subtitles if you're interested. Oh, I have to check that out. Yeah. So it's sure. called, I think it's called Altes Geld. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's a show. No idea how that's spelled. Maybe you can <laughs> shoot me a message. <laughs> so Alta so Scald is A L T E S G E L D. And it's basically, and it's about a Viennese family. So they speak Wiener Deutsch, which is basically Viennese German. Mm-hmm. And Alta Scald basically means old money. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, wow. So it's about a patriarch who's dying and they're killing mm. him before he's dead by dividing <laughs> his money. <laughs> oh, wow. Definitely yeah. checking that one out. Um, so we're almost coming to an end of this episode. And as it is custom to ask all guests what their clever girl superpower is, and you are no exception because you are today's guest, Bola. <laughs> Tell us what is your clever girl superpower? Uh, so it changes it and it, it changes based on how the day has gone. So my superpower today is just being a functional mom. So we had to cancel this podcast yesterday because my kids were just all over the place. Mm. We couldn't get to bed. <laughs> they didn't give a damn about the podcast. Sure, mom. <laughs> Go to your podcast. Don't put us to bed. Don't say our <laughs> prayers because you want to do your podcast. <laughs> so today oh we made it happen. I was giving my notices. Listen, when we get home at 8 yeah. I have a podcast. 25 minutes before I listen. What did I tell you two hours ago? Have a podcast. <laughs> we need to go to bed early. You take a bath. We need to say our prayers. We need to get in bed. So I was, I was functional. I, I made it as mom. I made mm. being mom and business owner work tonight well. So yes, mm. I, I functioned. That's my superpower for today. Great. And just for fun, tell everyone where they can find you and your amazing resources. <laughs> well, you can listen to more episodes of the Clever Girl Snow podcast. You can find Yasmir and I on Wednesdays or Thursdays at lunchtime or so around 1230 EST or in the evenings at around 530 EST on Wednesdays and Thursdays doing an Instagram live where we talk about specific topics or we answer questions. So it's either me and Yasmin or me and Esther. Um, and Esther has been on this podcast. Um, she shared her story of paying off her debt, even though her income was cut by 55%. Mm-hmm. Find that episode. And this was when her husband lost his job. Where else? Stop by the Clever Girl Finance website. We have new articles on the blog every single day. We have 22 incredible writers who are churning out this amazing content and you can learn about who these writers are at the base of our of each article check out our courses we have over 30 plus completely free courses you can schedule a mentor mm-hmm. call with Stacey or Anita if you want to talk to somebody and get motivation and encouragement and where else are we? YouTube oh my god our clever Girl finance oh, YouTube yes. channel yes we're trying to grow this <laughs> channel Angel our videographer makes the most incredible videos and we have a new series of real women talk money that me Yasmir and Carly filmed a few weeks ago that will be coming mm-hmm. to the YouTube channel as well so you get to see more of the clever Girl finance team and oh, fun fact that I thought I would tell everyone is that Esther <laughs> is the first employee of Clever Girl Finance, but me and Esther have actually never met in person oh, yeah. <laughs> in five years. And I finally get to meet Esther yeah. this weekend in person <laughs> in London, even though this episode will be coming out after I'm back. So yes, <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> 
we mm. only know each other from like Zoom and Slack and like yeah. IG Live and YouTube Live and stuff, like Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> and I talked to her on, I, I feel like, well, I'm now friends with everybody. Like you guys are part of mm. the real finance, but we're also friends. Like I text Yasmir mm. about our healthy eating and I'm on WhatsApp <laughs> with Esther all the time talking about all kinds of stuff, hairstyles and working out and all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of fun having you guys here. Thank you, Bola. And thank you so much for the honor to interview today. It was really fun. The first takeover. <laughs> yes. The first one, there'll be more. There'll be more. Sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. You have to thank close you, the Bola. episode now. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.